few months ago and we decided to call this series Why Christianity is a Joke. Um, we chose that because we were hoping maybe we would touch a nerve. And apparently we did because Facebook actually took down our ad. <laughs> they got too many flags, uh, people flagging it saying it was offensive. So, so it's gone. So apparently we touched a nerve, but the reason we actually did this um, is because this whole issue actually has touched a nerve in me. And this is something um, that I'm deeply passionate about. Um, obviously I'm giving my life to Christ and this is my job. But I, what I wanna share with you just a little bit is why would we talk about this? Why do we wanna talk about how Christianity is a joke? I gave my life to Christ when I was young and uh, I grew up in a family that went to church, you know, like maybe many of you did. The way I describe it, it was a really great family. Loved my family. But Jesus was never a topic of conversation at home, okay? But one day we went to church, and, uh, and I, it was actually in the evening, and God met me so profoundly, it's, it's just absolutely undeniable how he changed my life on that day. But what happened was I didn't have anybody help me to know what that was all about. That's why here at K2 we say, we want to invite you into this adventure of following God, but we also want to equip you. I wish, like, man, Dave, help me to know what happens once this love of God fills my heart. But I remember, so Jesus was very real to me, and it was super powerful, but I found myself not really wanting to be a Christian. Anybody else? Okay, just me, so this is my story. Um, but I think, but, and the reason was is because when I looked around, I saw all these things that made me go, oh, I don't know if I want to be like that. I don't know if I want to dress like that. I don't know if I want to listen to that type of music. You know, I had all these things that made me nervous about being a Christian, and it wasn't until later in my life when I realized that almost all of those things had nothing to do with Jesus. <laughs> and so then, when I'm 19... God comes back. I really wasn't following Christ. I believed in him, but I wasn't following him. How many of you can relate to that? Okay, okay. Oh, all of us, now we're good. So, um, but when I was 19 is when God came back to me super powerfully. And I gave him everything. Literally everything I could give. I was all in on Jesus Christ. And because I wanted to know him. I wanted to know him. Just like the scripture says, Paul says, everything is garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Here's what happened then at my journey. Is I realized I would go to church and then I would feel like, I, I don't know. Well, no, I do know. I think there's a lot of people who actually go to church who don't really know Jesus. And then when I got into ministry, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so true. And then I realized, oh my God, there's, there's so many people outside of the church who want nothing to do with Jesus, but the truth is they've never seen him. They've actually never seen the beauty of who he really is. And I personally have friends, don't you, who think Christianity is a joke? How many of you have a friend who thinks Christianity is a joke? All right, I do. But here's what I realized. Sometimes I think Christianity is a joke. Anybody else? What am I saying by that? Christianity is a joke when it doesn't look like Jesus. And unfortunately, there's too many times where I don't look like Jesus and where the church doesn't look like Jesus. And so that's what we want to take a look at. 
And I, I love uh, Andy Stanley, a, a friend of mine, turned me on to one of his messages, and I, I listened to it this week, and he said this. He said, most things, people, most things people resist about church are things that the church should resist. <laughs> That's such a great line. He goes, here's what people outside the church should think. That the church is a community of people who follow the teaching of a man sent from God, and we obviously believe he's more than just a man, but a man sent from God to explain God and, and to clear the path to God. <laughs> And why would, why would people resist that? Because why, why aren't churches chock full with people? They're resisting this. Well, why resist that unless the message is no good? But here was Jesus' message, right? Love God, love people, love your enemy. So why would you resist that? And, and, and the truth is, you guys, the only thing that should be resistible is our loyalty to Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what was happening. The first 300 years of the church's existence, they were under huge persecution. But you know why they were under persecution? It wasn't because they were loving people and making the community better around them. It was because Caesar was king and they refused to say that he was. And so they were persecuted because they had loyalty to Jesus Christ. And here's what I know today. The church isn't necessarily being persecuted because of our loyalty to Jesus. But I think lots of times the church is being persecuted because we don't look like Jesus. And so that's what we're going to look at in the next few weeks. Is the, Instead, people think that we're judgmental, right? The church is just a group of people who think that they're better than everybody else. And then you're pretentious. You, you talk a really good game. There's a lot of language, a lot of talk, but the hypocrisy, I don't see it actually in your actions, and then you're contentious. And this, man, this one, in our culture today, there's so much division happening in our country and much of it right under the name of, of, of Christianity. And then, like the video said, the wars throughout history caused by religion, especially Christians. So we're gonna hit on those things. Why is Christianity a joke? Because it's judgmental, pretentious, and contentious, all right? But here's what I wanna do today. This message is a little different. I actually want to share with you, though, why, in the midst of all that confusion, I am absolutely committed, and why we here at K2, the church, chose to make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, and why we want to know him above everything else. And here's what's crazy, you guys. Did you know the Bible actually calls Christianity the message of the cross, the gospel, foolishness? The Bible actually says it's foolish. And that's what I want to look at today. And why would the Bible say it was foolish? Because there were two groups of people that Paul was writing to. The Jews and the Greeks, or the Jews and the Gentiles. This was during the Roman Empire, okay? And in both the Jewish culture and the Roman culture, there were two things that were highly elevated. Wisdom and power. Wisdom and power. And so what Paul does in the passage I'm going to read here, he says, listen, there is a wisdom and a power that comes from the world, and there is a wisdom and a power that comes from God. And this is the truth. They both look foolish to the other one. And that's what we're going to look at today. And my hope for you is that God might be able to turn on a light that you might be able to see today, that, that the eyes of our heart may be able to see so at least we understand. And here's what I want to tell you. So if you do feel like Christianity is foolishness today, at least you'll have a very um, clear explanation. Well, we'll hope it's clear. 
explanation of what Christianity is and what the foolishness of it is, all right? And for those of us who are Christians in this room, hopefully this can ground us and say, are we really all in on what Jesus says is it, all right? So let me pray before we jump into the scripture and then we'll move on. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us, for your desire for us to have life and life to the full. Um, I'm just really grateful that you're here and that you're present and that your Holy Spirit literally this morning can reveal to us your mind so that we can understand what your wisdom is and what your power is all about. And I'm just asking right now in the name of Jesus Christ that your word would be living and active and helpful in us seeing the truth of who you are. And I pray for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And here is Paul's kind of discourse on wisdom and power. He says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So why is the message of the cross foolishness? Well, let's look at what wisdom is, okay? And I'm going to give you kind of a technical definition, but wisdom is the perspective or orientation that one brings to the comprehension of life and reality. And, that, and all of us do that. All of us are deciding what our wisdom is, what is our understanding, what is our comprehension of the orientation or the perspective of what we believe life is all about and what is reality. But it's, you do this, you have the comprehension of life and reality, but the wisdom also is, and how one should live in order to bring proper behavior to life. So if somebody's wise, it's because they understand the greater picture, but they're only wise if then they live it out in such a way that makes life better. So wisdom really is, it's understanding that leads to application. And every single one of us in this room, you're, you're, you're banking on your wisdom, on what your comprehension of reality, and then you're trying to live it out 
So because then you believe that that's how life will be fulfilled for you. And here's what the scripture says. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom doesn't know him, didn't know him. So, so again, there's just, there's a big, huge chasm here between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. So what's the wisdom of the world? Well, I, I, I'm just going to kind of bank in it like this. The understanding, whether it was during this day and age or still today, the understanding and the wisdom of the world is that I know what's best for me and what makes me happy. And, and, and that was true back then, and it's still true today. The wisdom of the world is, and we hear this everywhere we go, follow your heart. Do what's best for you as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. If you're going to live a full and complete life, you're the only one who knows what that is. And then the application is, and wisdom says, and I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to pursue whatever it is that actually will bring me my satisfaction and my happiness. And by the way, I feel this pull every day. Don't you? See, I, I, I wake up every morning and I feel this. Like, I know what's going to make me happy and I'm going to give my life to that. See, but what happens in that type of wisdom, there is a self-sufficiency. What we're saying is, I'm the one who knows what can make me happy and I'm, gonna, I'm also the one who's able to pursue the things that will make me happy. And that's what I'm going to give my life to. Because isn't life about your personal fulfillment? That's the wisdom of the world. 1 John 2.16 says this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, come not from the Father, but from this world. What are those things? Lust of the eyes and the flesh are simply, man, I see that and I want that. That's going to make me happy. So I pursue those things. And the pride of life is the one that's saying, and I can do this. And every human being, I believe it's, it's true about me and I think it's true about every one of us. That's what we give our life to. That's the wisdom of the world. Well, then what's power? See, here's what's crazy. If you have power, right, I mean, then you possess the freedom and the ability to get what brings you life. Why does everybody want to have a position of power? Because when you have authority, things can go your way. You can actually control them. How many of you want power? I mean, we just do. We love that. But power itself, again, is self-sufficiency. But I, as I think about this, you guys, it makes sense. Because if you have power, it gives you value. It gives you esteem. You can actually control things when you're the one who's in power. So you have importance, security, and confidence. Because literally, if you're in control, it's like, okay, I feel all right. We're good here. And so the wisdom and the power of this world are based on your ability and your self-sufficiency to bring self-fulfillment to your life. The wisdom of the world is saying this. I don't need a God to tell me what I need. And I don't need a God to be the one to make it happen for me. I know it's going to make me happy, and I'm seeking the power to make it happen. That is the wisdom of the world. And so think about this. And Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. <laughs> a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. 
I mean, think about this. The wisdom of the world is do whatever's going to make you be happy and get the power to be able to do it. And Christ says, um, we're going to preach a guy on a cross. Why was that foolishness to the world? Because that ain't going to make me happy. How is that going to make me happy? And where's the power in that? That is ultimate weakness. And so for the Jew, you guys need to understand this. When, 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 when Paul would say, we preach Christ crucified, the word Christ is the same word for Messiah. We preach the Messiah crucified. I heard one guy say, Christ crucified is like saying fried water. You can't, or I'm sorry, I brewed that up, fried ice. I blew the whole line. <laughs> Let's just take that back. If you say Christ crucified, it's like saying fried ice. In other words, you can't have both things. So you guys, the Jews believed that the Messiah was going to be powerful. He was going to have splendor. He was going to triumph. He was the one who was going to take down the Roman Empire so we could be free. So if there's no way that Christ could be the Messiah, he's crucified on a cross. And not only that, in the Old Testament, it said, if anyone hangs on a tree, they are cursed of God. So for the Jew, the Christians are preaching, we preach Christ crucified. They're like, there's no way. That's absolute foolishness. The Messiah is powerful and he's not cursed of God. And for the Gentile, the same thing. In the Gentile world, if somebody was getting crucified on a cross, they were the worst of criminals. <laughs> they weren't people who were wise, who had figured out how to live a good life. They were the exact opposite thing. And here's what's crazy. But to those whom God has called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So let's talk about this. What is the wisdom of God? In, verse, in chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. And here's what we're saying. What is wisdom again, you guys? It's the understanding of reality. It's the perspective of this is what's true. And then if you apply it, it will bring life. And what, the, what Paul was saying, what Christianity is saying, what the cross is saying, is that wisdom is not in figuring out what will make you happy and then giving your life to pursue personal happiness. When people live under that wisdom, they don't find God. Because it's not God's wisdom. So Christ is the wisdom of God. What is that? This is crazy. Wisdom is the giving of your life. The wisdom of God is giving your life away for the sake of another as an offering to God. What reality is all about and what will bring fullness of life is when you lay down your life for another person as an offering to God. And I just want to tell you, man, that's not our way. That's not our way. That's God's way. And when we look personally, when I look at our culture today and we go in, in our world today, where is the human, where does human wisdom lead us? It leads us in so many conflicts because this is what I think. Well, this is what I think. Well, this is what I want. Well, this is what I want. 
And the next thing you know, there are little marital conflicts, and then there's world conflicts. Because we're not thinking about giving our life away as a sacrifice for another person unto God. That's the wisdom of God. I love it. James 3, 17 and 18. In fact, I'm going to unpack this in the last message of the series. But look at this. The wisdom that comes from heaven, okay, there is an understanding of reality that when it's practically lived out, it brings life. And that wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Then look at this. It's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. See, this is the wisdom of God. I lay down my life. I'm considerate. I'm submissive. I'm thinking more about you than I am somebody else. I didn't have time. There's a whole other passage. Write this one down. Philippians chapter 2. And just start in verse 1 and read it down. And it says, Paul just says, you guys, if you have any, any fullness of pleasure of being united with Christ, he goes, then make my joy complete. And then what does he say? By considering others above yourself. He says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus had. The same mind. Think the same way that Jesus did. Well, how did Jesus think? It says, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he came down and he emptied himself. Took on the very nature of a servant and became obedient to God all the way to death on the cross. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't, that doesn't sound all that great. Right? I mean, how many of you are like, yeah, let's do that? <laughs> See, because and the reason we don't feel that is because we are so caught up in the wisdom of the world. But the message of the cross is the wisdom of God. This is what makes life work. This is what fills your soul. And you know what's cool? When Jesus got on the cross, it made the possibility of peace with God possible for every human being on this planet. That's the wisdom of God. But what's the power of God then? Because, right, he says, we preach Christ crucified, the power of God. How is Jesus Christ dying on the cross an example of the power of God? Because is that weakness? I mean, that's what most people would think. That's weakness. That's what they thought. But is it weakness? When you know, let's think about what Jesus' claims are. When you know that you're not only their creator, you're the one actually giving them life, but the only end, you're the only one with perfect knowledge and authority to be their final judge. You, you know, Jesus is like, I know I've created you, I know I'm giving you life, and I know that I am the one who's the final judge of your life. And I know that I have never done anything but love you. And I'm going to die on the cross. I, I, I read so much on this, this verse this, this week, and it's so interesting. Like, why is Jesus Christ dying the power of God. Let me just share this with you. I believe it's because it's spiritual power to forgive someone 
whose only intention is to nail you to the cross. How do you have power to forgive somebody who's intentionally taking your life away? What's the power of God in the cross? It's the spiritual power to sacrifice your life for another who does not love you but despises you. You guys, that's not human. How many of you, even in this room, right, we have trouble forgiving people who've made mistakes, much less people who are willfully nailing you to a cross. See, that's not, that's not human, man. That is God. The power of God is I can love you even when you are nailing me to a cross. The power of God is I can lay down my life for you even though you despise me. I mean, come on, can we all just admit, all of us, it's, it's hard to lay down your life for somebody you love. All of us who are married, man, all of us who have kids, it's hard to lay down our life. The power of God is I lay down my life even for my enemies. That's the power of God. It's the spiritual power to submit yourself to God trusting his holiness to follow him wherever he leads, believing that it will be for the ultimate good, even if it takes you to the cross. How is Jesus Christ dying on the cross, the power of God? He's like, I absolutely submit and trust my Father in heaven. And I'll do anything he asks me to do. Come on, all of us who are Christians, how, much, how, do we, how many of us live like that? It's like it's hard to follow God. Amen? But the power of God in Christ is perfect submission, even if it means crucifixion. The spiritual power, here's what it is, you guys. The power of God in the message of the cross is it's the spiritual power to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And it's the power to love everyone. The power of Christ is the power to love God and the power to love everyone. And I want to tell you what, man, when I think people are going, Christianity is a joke, I can tell you this. If they saw people who are spiritually empowered to do whatever God asked them to do and they laid down their life for everyone around them, I don't think this is many people would think Christianity is a joke. So here's Paul's prayer for us in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ, the wisdom and the power of God dwelling in your heart through faith. And I pray that you too, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. See, doesn't that sound great? See, here's what he's saying though. But many times I've been so, I want the power of God. 
Do, and then I, sometimes I'll feel like the Holy Spirit goes, do you really? <laughs> See, because the power of God is, David, you will finally be completely set free from yourself. The wisdom of the world. You will not live for yourself anymore. But you will live a life of real, true love. But that means you will be laying down your life. But look at what it says, man. Now to him, to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So you guys, is the gospel foolishness? It's only foolishness. Is the message of the cross foolishness? It's only foolishness if it's true that human beings in their own self-sufficiency, if they live for their own self-fulfillment, will bring life to this planet. Is that working? It's not working. And we're not finding God. And so that's why God says, I made foolishness the world's wisdom. And I revealed mine. Lay down your life for another and receive my power to be able to do it. You know what I think that's called? Salvation. The Bible tells you, right? This whole passage talked a lot about being saved. In fact, it said this. It said, 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross is saving me. What's it saving me from? Myself. What's it saving me from? God's punishment. What's it saving me from? The conflict of the world. And I love Romans uh, 1 says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The gospel, you guys, and, and don't think the righteousness of God like this high, mightiest, pious thing. It's like, no, the rightness, what makes life right, what makes life real, what makes it work has been revealed in the message of the cross. It's when you have the power to love God and follow him and do whatever he wants because all of his ways are right. And it's when you have the power to love other people and not just the good people, love everyone. That's why it's so supernatural. The righteousness of God is revealed. And here's, here's the truth. Only God can do this. <laughs> only God, only Jesus Christ can actually love the Father perfectly and love everyone. No other human does that. And so what they said what in, through this whole passage, Paul said, the power of God, the message of the gospel is the power of God to self, for salvation for everyone who what? Believes. And here's where it gets interesting. So to receive this power, you actually must Believe, which means trust, which means put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you know why that's so hard? Because it means you're saying, I'm going to be dependent on him. And everything I've been taught, 
everything within my flesh, the wisdom of this world, is don't be dependent on anyone. You can do it. And you're the one who knows. And God is saying, that's why the message of the cross is so foolish. Because it's saying, no, you can't. And no, you won't. Can I just ask you, in your heart of hearts this morning, do you really believe that if you pursue your own dreams, that you're going to be able to find the fulfillment of life? And what God is saying is, the fullness of life is going to be when you are free from yourself and you can love everybody else. So, the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. Why? Because when Jesus Christ was on the cross, what was he doing? He was laying down his life for you. He was giving his life for you. That's the wisdom of God. Why was he doing that? Because it said he was becoming sin. He was receiving the punishment. He loves you so much. And since the wisdom of God is you lay down your life for another, Jesus looked at every one of you and he said, you're going down. Your selfish ways, your rejection of God is going to separate you from God for eternity. So Jesus is going, that's not acceptable for me. So he comes in and he lays his life down. He gives it away. That's the wisdom of God. And he did it for you. And anyone who believes that finally realizes like, oh my gosh, you're right. I totally don't follow God. And I can't follow God. And I need Jesus Christ to forgive me. Yes, guess what? Anyone who's hung on a tree is cursed of God. Jesus received your curse of being separated from him forever. That's what he was doing. And that's the wisdom of God. He's telling you, I love you. And he had the power of God to love you when you despised him. He says, just the right time for me to love you. That's awesome. And not only does Christ give himself for us, when he rose from the dead, now he gives his life to us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is his whole plan. The gospel, you guys, is such great news because now Jesus is like, I didn't stay dead. I rose from the grave and I'm alive to give you my spirit, the spirit that loves God and will always follow him and the spirit that loves everyone, even your enemies, even those who inflict pain on you, I can give you power to love them through my Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm going to give my life for you so you're totally forgiven, so you can be reconciled back to God, and I'm going to give my life to you so that you have the power to live the real wisdom of God. Is that not great news? That's the gospel right there. So man, let me just close with this. I, I'm, I'm in my own time. I'm reading Acts chapter 10. It's, it's a new number. Um, <laughs> Acts chapter 10. And this is where Peter, a good Jewish guy, right, is now being called to go give this good news to a Gentile. And it's an amazing encounter. And here's, what, here's the first thing that Peter says to Cornelius. He goes, you know, the message that God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. When I read that, I just thought, how cool is it 
that when Peter had a chance to tell everybody about the good news and that I would get a chance this morning, you guys, the good news, God's message of the good news is that there's peace. You can be at peace with God. You can have peace inside your whole. So there's my question. Are you full of peace? Are you at peace with God? Or are you at enmity with him? And here's the second question. And are you an instrument of peace? Right? Because the wisdom that comes from heaven makes you a peacemaker because you don't live for yourself anymore. You actually live for everybody else around you. You're submissive and considerate and impartial and sincere. Are you a peacemaker in this world? Yes, we see the coexist bumper stickers. We all want to get along. But I'm telling you, it's the power of God who will lay down his life for people who are in opposition to him. That's what's going to bring peace to this world. It's a good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And he can make you and I like that once you become at peace with God. And then he goes on and he says this. In verse 42, he says, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed to judge the living and the dead. So I just want to lay that before you. I read that and I'm like, my job is actually to proclaim to you the good news is the peace, but I also need to say, and Jesus commanded us that we need to testify that God appointed Jesus Christ to be the judge of the living and the dead. So basically what's going to happen is there's nobody else who lived in the flesh perfectly as God in the flesh. He alone is the one who's going to be able to judge Everyone who walked this planet. And he's going to do that. Look at this next verse. And all the prophets testify about him. That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Oh, you guys. The only one who will judge you is the only one who came down and did everything necessary to forgive you. That's amazing. The only one who actually could look at you and go, you blew it. Everybody else thinks you blew it and they're good at pointing out all your mistakes. But Jesus is the only one who will be able to say, you fell so far short. And I completely forgive you of everything. Only Jesus Christ is the one who can give us this peace. And I'll tell you what, when the wisdom of God, lay your life down, is matched with the power of God to actually do it, your life will never be the same. And that's the message of the cross. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He laid down his life for you and he's the power of God to be able to enable you to live the life you were created to live.